Project Sapient is a podcast meant to engage our brothers and sisters in the law enforcement and military communities in conversations that we all know we need to have. All opinions you'll hear are our own, are protected by our First Amendment of the United States Constitution, and in no way reflect or are meant to reflect the opinion of any specific agency, officer, or service member. Some opinions may be controversial. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. I'm in. Hello. What's going on, buddy? What's up, dude? Hey, did you see our numbers? Yeah. We're up over 6,000. It's crazy. It's fucking nuts, right? <laughs> that's it. People are actually listening to us. It's kind of scary. It is scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, guys, first and foremost, we want to say thank you to our listeners from all over the world. We want to thank you to our supporters, Havoc Journal, JimJunkies.com, VectorShields.com, WellnessForWarriors.live. As always, we love those ladies. LiveBoston617.org, EagleEyeFirearmsMA.com, ODKit.com, and GunTrack.app. We love you, we love you, we love you. One more thing, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. YouTube is fucking with us continuously. They're not getting it out there. Please subscribe just to give it to them, okay? So, Iman, talk to me, brother. Hey, uh... Before we get into it, uh, I realized that the new uh, thing now is hoarding gas, kind of like the hoarding toilet paper. My God, man. I'm, I'm actually, I'm waiting for the rapture. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? Just, just do it. Just do it. I mean. What have I been saying for the last year, dude? <laughs> I've been saying for the last year, I'm waiting for the fucking asteroid to hit. <laughs> I want to see everybody panic. Listen, uh, some of the pictures I see on the uh, interwebs of people, <laughs> people filling up oil drums worth the gas and all I, I, it, did you I'm see just, the trash bag one i said yeah like dude there was one i i found where this lady was putting gas in in, in a like a, a plastic tot thing makes uh, sense i'm i'm like oh let's do God. it so anyways before i uh, get too much off <laughs> off topic <laughs> speaking of the rapture have you seen so i shared it with you and and i'm sure uh uh our fellow uh, law enforcement officers in the community noticed that a police department in Georgia turn your uh, phone off. <laughs> Go on. Decided uh, to um, use uh, what they call shoot to incapacitate. Oh, shoot to incapacitate option uh, for their Fucking officers. Idiots. And we'll we're going to get into it. So we actually have a very uh, special guest on yes. tonight. Who's gonna uh, Who's gonna uh, really chime in and give us the medical, the biological, everything that has to do with the human body? Right. Um, and and it, it's going to be great. So uh, let's just. So well, here's the thing, right? Yeah. So Georgia just launched this bullshit. Yeah. And you could tell from listening to this chief that he's. I'm sorry to say it. He sounds like a coward to me. Yeah. Right. And it sounds like he's trying to be cool. He's trying to be like with the times. He's trying to all that. But what you can clearly see is that he's scared shitless of his community, right? Here is the thing. He he's 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 scared. He to me, you just set up your officers for failure. Exactly. And, and, and we will we will explain all this to the to the non officers yep. and even even to to people that are listening. Just just so you you will understand exactly because. You know, I come from a military background. I was at war and, and also, you know, a police officer and, and SWAT and Pete, uh, SWAT operator himself with uh, with uh, with the large agency. Uh, we we don't understand this. 
Yeah. You know, really, like, really don't understand it. So, so why don't we just uh, play the video, actually? Yeah, why don't we play the video? So, let me get the doc on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So, guys, on. we have, everybody has opinions. Everybody has observations that they make. We bring the specialists on. Yes. Guys that really know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? That have tried and true tested experience in the field, yep. in emergency medicine, gunshots yep. and whatnot. So, yep. let me get them off a of mute. Dr. Peter Bevins, are you there, sir? I am. Thank you so much for coming on. Can you hear us okay? I can, clearly. Great. So you, you heard everything with our introduction. We're going to be playing a video right now, and um, you'll be able to hear it as well. Um, there it is. So give it a second and listen to this. Thank you. We're out here today at our firing range. Our officers are going through this week their annual qualifications, and we're also incorporating a familiarization course on our shoot incapacitate option that we're we're now giving to all of our officers in their um, use of deadly force. Hold on, Pete. How you doing? Can I get you to calm down, sir? It's boiling. Calm down a little bit, sir. Sir, drop the piece of wood. As a result of. Uh, my experiences uh, internationally uh, back in uh, 2004, doing some uh, exchange with uh, the Israeli police, and then some work with the State Department, and then most recently in the last five or six years uh, with the International Association of Chiefs of Police, it became increasingly uh. clear that uh, many nations train their officers to shoot to incapacitate if that's possible. Quick, quick comment. I can't, I can't help myself. <laughs> quick comment. All right, go ahead. Many nations are, tra are, are training their officers to shoot to incapacitate. Yeah. Many nations don't have the level of fucking violence that we do. Yeah. The type of violence that we do. Yeah. And if they do, it's on another extreme. It's a well, militaristic fucking if, violence. If you want to, if you want to uh, chime, you know, the Israeli police. Uh, that's a whole different level. Oh, of police. exactly. A whole different level. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's my continue. blood's boiling. Yeah. Let's. Uh, 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 in 2019, <laughs> I uh, introduced that concept to our firearms instructors and asked them to think about it and several months later early 2020 um, we agreed to go ahead and uh, research and develop a protocol that would allow for incapacitation shots so the whistle's what's going to signify him reaching down the and up that that object okay no you're going to fire two into any green or yellow section of the target All police officers, when we when you attend the police academy um, through your firearms training, we're taught to to shoot for the center of available body mass, um, which generally, um, through the training that we incorporate, includes the chest cavity. Um, so, what we've done is we began to incorporate or give another option that we've. Uh, are calling shoot incapacitate. All right, I, just I'm stopping it. <laughs> right. I'm stopping it. I, I can't. I can't listen to this anymore. All right. So, Doc, how are you, sir? <laughs> We're doing fine here. I'm, I'm listening to um, this guy describe things, and I'm not sure that the people who are being shot at are going to always agree to be incapacitated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, before before we get ahead, let, give us a little bit about, for our listeners, a little bit about your background, sir. All right. Well, I uh, graduated from medical school in 78 and uh, completed a surgical training program in 83 and went into 
the new field of uh, emergency medicine right away, and it's been board certified three times. Uh, wow. I've seen a lot of trauma and uh, uh, been able to take care of multiple gunshot wounds at the same time and seeing people survive gunshot wounds well and, and die of knife wounds. So, uh, so, uh, so you kind of know what uh, you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's a very interesting thing to watch how each case is a complete individual. Some right. people are going to power and freeze at the sound of the gunshot. Right. But the gunshot wound is a burning pain. And if you hurt somebody, sometimes that just makes them more angry. And, of course, the adrenaline will flow. The uh, person will become perhaps more erratic and uh, will start uh, acting like the fight-or-flight response that people get with adrenaline. So There's also the freeze response, too, which a lot of people forget about. But if you have a bunny rabbit in the field, he's going to freeze sometimes. Right. Or the frog might freeze. And people freeze. I, I call it deer freeze. in headlights. Yeah. Yep. So, Iman... You yes. wanted to start talking about this article. It was a Police One article that we had found this video on. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of commentary on the Police One article. Oh, my God, yeah. Let me uh, let me just bring up a couple of the comments. So, so bring it in, and then we'll slowly get into, like, the science behind everything yeah. with the doc, too. So, so, here, so here's a couple of the comments. So um, having previously heard a presentation from Chief uh, Dekmar uh, on leadership, uh, I think he is intelligent, well-intentioned. However, I think this concept will not survive the first lawsuit following a real application, even right. if everything went according to plan. Uh, an officer managed to wound a mentally disturbed person wielding a hand-delivered weapon without killing them. Aside from the litany of worse potential outcomes, I don't think our legal system will allow such dangerous blurring of the lines between deadly and less lethal force. Which right. I, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, I have uh, one uh, this other comment I saw uh, from a uh, fireman instructor and former SWAT operator. What this chief proposes sounds great on paper, but is totally unrealistic in real-life applications. Right. Most officers will only fire their weapon on a range in a training situation, whether to qualify during scenario-based training. This is an environment that has little to no stress involved, and even then, a large percentage of those officers are not capable of placing well-aimed shots on a stationary target, which we know. That. We know that. <laughs> we know that. Yeah. You know, now introduce stress, raised heart rate, yep. uh, low-light conditions, and so many other factors, and many officers would miss would would miss a barn even if it was standing inside of it. Right. Which, I mean, that, it happens. It happens. It's, it's stress. It's adrenaline. And, you know, so, so he says, I've been with officers who trained and fired thousands of rounds yearly who are not capable of pa- placing rounds uh, in a chest cavity at 15 yards in right. a real life incident. Yeah, so I mean, again, it sounds like you know most of these comments are from uh, from it looks like a lot of trainers, a lot of uh, real life operators, experience, real life experience stuff like that. So, so when you sent this out to me the first time, yeah, you would actually been the first person to introduce it to me. And the first thing I noticed was a, a few years ago we had trained on the 40 mic mic with us. Yeah, I could see the the target. I mean, yeah. I could see the target for the less lethal options for less lethal munitions. Yes. Right? Like, 
That's you, the target. You you don't want to hit somebody with a forty millimeter blue nose. Yeah. In the fucking chest cavity. Yeah. Oh, just so people understand, uh, the civilians. He doesn't mean like a forty millimeter grenade. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's a, it's a less, foam round. Yeah. It's a foam round that we put in a forty millimeter uh, grenade launcher. Uh, it's a foam round, and it hits, and the areas that we're supposed to hit. The green are the legs, right. uh, the arms, if you can get to the arms. But the red area is the chest cavity, the head. Those are the dangerous areas where it could potentially be fatal. So, it, and just so everybody's clear, that the blue nose is a very light. Yeah. It's a very light round. And the only reason we use the grenade launcher in it is force equals mass times acceleration, yeah, right? You need, exactly. You need the acceleration. Exactly. So that's why it's a very effective tool. It is. It's a light round and it's very effective. And, and, and the targets they're using, though... R4, the 40 mic mic. Yeah. They're, they're the same targets. It's it's unbelievable to me. When I saw this, I thought it was like an Onion article or what is it, Babylon <laughs> B or something. And I'm <laughs> like, blog. I, I, was, I was typing to Satire. you, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, and no, then I'm no, like, wait real. a minute. It's real. It's fucking real. Yeah. So- all right, now that we've got all, all that out of the way, uh, yeah, let's let's get into the uh, the medical piece of it, where uh, Doc Bevins, you can uh, you can elaborate on it. So, uh, I understand you were talking about how you've treated gunshot wounds yourself and and knife wounds. Can you go into that a little bit more? Well, everyone's different, and every victim of the gunshot wound is going to respond differently. Some people may be crying. Some people may not feel much pain at all. It depends on what tissues they go through. They may be suffering from shortness of breath if they've been hit in the chest. They may be um, uh, depleted of some of their blood volume, so they may not be thinking clearly. And uh, it's something where you can't really apply a generality to any specific case. And the same thing is if you shoot somebody, you can't predict how they're going to respond to that gunshot wound. You can predict how 100 people may respond, but you're not shooting at 100 people. You're shooting at one guy. So where you hit them, you could have a, a gunshot wound go right through the abdomen and not cause much trouble, or it could hit the aorta and he could be dead in uh, a minute from bleeding out internally. And f fundamentally, right, when you think about it, Doc, you're 100% right. Every single shooting and every single penetration into the body is completely different. With There's a variety of factors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whether, you know, something that the person's build, wearing. The, the, the person's build. The, the build, the, the, the clothing, clothing. Oh, yeah. The angle of the hit. The yeah. fucking velocity of the round. The yep. distance. All that. All of that. that. People need to understand that even though this is a science, it's not finite. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's not like a law of physics. No. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah, and and I believe uh, Doc. We earlier we were talking about how you were treating uh, two gunshot victims and a knife victim. Uh, can, well, could you go yeah, into that one a was, little? Yeah, one one was uh, two gunshot wounds. They were handgun uh, gunshot wounds, and both of them had uh, thoracal abdominal. That is both the chest and the abdomen uh, wounds. Uh, one of them was a uh, wound in the abdomen that went into the chest. And both of them were able to be uh, stabilized and transported by helicopter a half an hour into a major trauma center without any significant problems and just by starting the usual 
liter of fluid intravenously rapidly. Uh, both were wide awake and uh, refusing to talk to the police <laughs> about who they were and what they no. were doing. No way. <laughs> You're kidding so, me. No, they were somewhat reluctant to discuss their recent situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, so those two gunshot, yeah, those two gunshot victims ended up surviving. But then uh, let's let's segue into the into the knife victim that you, that you were. The knife, the knife victim actually was a guy who was drunk, and he was cut in the left biceps by his girlfriend, wife, live-in, forever person who was drunk too, and they used to fight a lot. So she cut him in the arm, and he was drunk, and he sat there bleeding for 45 minutes mm. while she watched him bleed. And then she decided to call the ambulance, and he came in, and he was in uh, cardiac arrest from blood loss from his radial artery. Uh, and uh, so, um, or brachial artery, rather. And so um, he died. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. You know. from, a, from a knife cut. Yeah. You know, the treatment, the treatment for that would have been at the scene, a simple tourniquet, a belt, or something like that, and that would have saved him. Um, and uh, but uh, the person with the uh, abdominal and thoracic wounds, there's no way to put uh, a tourniquet on the chest. Right. And the mass trousers, which aren't carried anymore, uh, can help on an abdominal wound, but you don't always know where the bullet is. And, what the damage is, so uh, abdominal compression doesn't. Well, here, here's help the thing: P- people people think that a bullet travels straight through a body, or it right. hits a body and stays in one spot, or whatever. But we all know bullets once it enters the body, it travels in the body. It doesn't stay where you think it is, and it may stay in one piece and go through, or it may fragment into multiple pieces. Right. And uh, do damage in numerous areas. So let's let's stop for a second and back up and go back to the fundamentals of stopping a threat, a deadly threat. Yeah. Stopping a deadly threat and why we've been trained. Because you know what, Doc? At, at the reason for Project Sapiens is we want to open up discussion. We want to look at things. We know we can be wrong about things. Mm-hmm. We want to be as open as possible with things. I personally was trained as a center mass stop the threat type of person. Yeah. Right? Frankly, stop the threat in any means necessary. Yeah. Failure drills, two to the body, one to the brain type of thing. Yeah. Right? Could we be wrong? Tell us why, physiologically, the best way to incapacitate or to stop the threat is to shoot center mass. Well, it depends upon whether or not the guy has a vest on these days. Right. Yeah. Uh, he may have something that's going to stop the bullets or slow them down enough so that shooting even the center of mass is not going to make the officer safe. Right. Uh, certainly, if you shoot him in the knee, he's going to be angry. He might reflexly drop his firearm or whatever weapon he has, or he may get more angry and unload a 17-round the magazine. Right. Uh, yeah, you can't uh, so, predict. I know what we, we, we can't. Response is. We, we can't talk in generalities about gunshots, right? But 
Tell us, if you can, in any general sense, what happens to the human body once it receives that impact? Well, the initial impact is going to be felt, followed by a slow onset of a burning pain over several more seconds. But uh, some of those pain fibers don't go as quickly as you would expect. Right. So the the person, even though he has uh, a chance to uh, give up or whatever, he may fire the round. Now, if you have the bullet coming toward you as a uh, uh, bad guy, uh, he has between 0.2 seconds and a second and a half to react. Depends right. upon how he thinks and so forth. But he's not going to be able to dodge that bullet unless you're 300 yards or more away. And that's when a bullet going maybe out of a standard handgun could be dodged. So he's not going to be doing any dodging. He's going to be hit. And he's going to hit, be able to be hit uh, depending upon how good the marksman is. And the police officer, when they shoot, they don't hit the bullseye every time. They right. don't hit the kneecap every time. Right. They uh, they go outside the rings sometimes, and uh, you're not going to have any positive effect on that. And it's not going to distract the the assailant. Uh, it's not going to make him drop his gun. Then, if he gets hit, not only is he going to start having adrenaline pumping, but most of the time, the officer is going to have adrenaline pumping. Right. So you're both going to have some more jitteriness, and you're going to be using major muscles. Blood is flowing to those major muscles. You may be having tr trouble seeing if it's bright light because your pupils dilate. So if you're looking into the sun, you can't even see what's going on now. Right. And uh, you uh, have to wing it from that point on. Doctor? So, Get out of the way, run away, whatever. So tell me, Doc, what you know about auditory and visual exclusions in high-stress environments, in high-stress scenarios, like shootings and stuff like that. Because in my experience, like I've been to officer-involved shootings, excuse me, and, you know, you talk to groups of officers and, and th th weird things happen to the body, yeah. right? Like you could talk to an officer and he'll start saying really random shit. Mm -hmm. Like I washed my dog and you're like, what? Yeah. Or you'll ask them, you know, how many rounds did you fire? And they don't know. Or they'll say five and he actually fired two. Yeah. And it's not that the officer is lying. It's that things happen to the brain yeah. and to the body. And people don't realize that. Can you get into that at all for our listeners? And it, it, keep in mind, there's listeners, there's law enforcement, there's military, and then there's also civilians that are learning from our show. So if you can get into that, that'd be helpful. Well, if you're listening to something on the radio and someone in the back seat says something, you may not register what they are talking about. You say, you say, yep. what, what did you say? Or whatever. And the same thing's going to happen. You may not hear things around you. You may not hear another assailant. You may not hear a vehicle. Right. You may, uh, and you may not recall it because it's not part of your memory. You were concentrating on that. So your memory of hearing not only is it distorted by the adrenaline and so forth and the noise, but it's also not recalled. So remembering that is a problem. Your, your vision is 
um, better in the dark because your pupils dilate, so you gather more light. But also when your pupils dilate, your focus is poor. So you may not be able to see or maintain a visual uh, analysis of what the assailant is actually doing, especially if you're looking into the sun. Uh, So I had, it it really just brought up a memory that I haven't thought about in years. I had, this was even pre-SWAT days. I remember talking to an officer maybe 10 years ago. And uh, he was in an officer-involved shooting. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he had told me was, this is actually good that we have the doc on the line to see if there's any, not validity, but just to see what his thoughts are on this. He told me that he remembers his first shot. He remembers his muzzle flash. Mm. It was a dark night. It was a really dark area. The muzzle we know is really bright, right? He remembers his muzzle flash and then doesn't remember seeing his second or third shot, even though his body pulled the trigger. Right. What do you think on that, Doc? Do you think that the the senses are so heightened because of going back to the adrenaline flow and all that, that physiologically things like that can happen? Are they a standard? Are they a norm? Is it something that we should look out for? Like, what do you think? It's very simple. Um, if you have somebody do flash photography and you, you see a bright light and that makes your dark vision, your night vision, ruined, the cones and receptors in your okay, eyes are screwed. Later. Right. This is something that I remember dealing with with uh, NVGs, night vision, yeah, and, night vision, and doing a lot of that stuff with IR and all yeah. that. So that's another thing that people need to realize is that these external forces are fucking with the person doing the shooting. Well, it, well, here's the thing, all right? External forces, right? And so now, um, you know, an officer shows up, uh, you know, he's got a call person with a knife, uh, emotionally disturbed person, whatever, um, they're on their way to the call, right? They're getting all the stimulus now yep. from whether it's dispatch, the uh, computer, uh, you know, uh, other uh, officers uh, en route to the scene. So there's all this stimulus going on with the officer as they're going to this call. Uh, they get to the call and they're the first ones there, right? Now you have even more stimuli. All right, you need to quickly assess, de-escalate, if possible, yep. Uh, talk to talk them down. Uh, figure out what's going on. What what the problem is? Uh, if the person is not there, you're talking to witnesses. People are screaming. You got people pointing. Hey, go this way. There's go that way. There's a thousand things. There's going a thousand on. things going on. Now, you've got the guy with the knife. Yep. He wants. We'll say suicide by cop. Yeah. He wants to you to pull the trigger. He gives you no choice. All right. So so doc, from that point. Uh, with with this training of shoot to incapacitate, now all this adrenaline, all this stuff is being dumped on the on, on the officer. It's being dumped on the officer, and the adrenaline is pumping in the guy with a knife too. Exactly. And there are instances of, um, and there are nice videos about these things in a few instances of uh, people being shot with an entire uh, six rounds and still coming at the officer to. Uh, try to kill him with a knife. The body does superhuman things. He gets hit with what are fatal rounds, but they're not immediately fatal. Right. It takes a while to bleed out through a hole. Well, here's the thing. uh, Uh, Drugs are, you know, PCP, some of these really synthetic drugs. uh, The body will not realize. It would not register in the brain 
that it took a fatal shot or, or right. whatever is happening with the body. I mean, we've, I remember back in the academy watching some of these, uh, like old, old school videos, um, of someone high on PCP where he was, this person was even shot in the head yet. He was still yeah. fighting and, and trying to kill the officer. I, I remember fighting uh, with somebody on well, PCP. So, so, you know, add that to it, Yeah. you know, to an EDP who's got all sorts of narcotics in him. Cause usually, I mean, uh, from my experience, every time I deal with an EDP, it's not just, they're off their meds. There's also other narcotics right. going on plus, in them. Plus, the plus factor. Plus factor. So, right. so you know, their adrenaline's rushing. The officer's adrenaline's rushing. The officer's now not left with any choice, pulls his firearm out because he's faced with a life and death situation. And not only his own life and death, life and death of the public around him. Right. Because this, because here's the thing, when, when, uh, which, which brought up actually uh, uh, a, a police trainer brought this up, uh, Doc, um, uh, and he said... If somebody, if you're dealing with an EPD who's suicidal, there's a potential that they can also be homicidal. Yeah. I mean, what, do you, what do you think of that statement, Doc? That's true, too. And some people will smoke something that someone gives them or take a pill that someone gives them, telling them this is going to be just great. And it turns out it wasn't marijuana. It was stevia or... <laughs> Uh, bath salts or something else. They yeah. want to eat someone's and face have, off now. Yeah, yeah. And I've had people standing up on stretchers naked, uncontrollably. Sounds like uh, me on a Friday hour, night. <laughs> half an hour coming in perfectly sober, acting <laughs> completely rationally. And right. the medicine is getting to their system, and they are so out of it. And uh, they may be out of it for hours or days. It's, depending it, upon how they react to the medicine and how much they took. But it, everybody was saying, oh, he didn't smoke marijuana. Yeah, right. Right. It didn't have to be just marijuana. He smoked marijuana yeah. laced with something else. It's it's also like even take, take drugs out of the situation, right? I mean, how many times have you encountered someone who was at first glance, on first approach, was perfectly normal, perfectly fine, and then the switch went off, and it went into pure rage. Oh my god! Yeah. How many I, times? I, mean, I, I can't count. <laughs> right. How many times have you dealt with the hundred-pound girl? I know it sounds cliched, but it's happened to me on my back, hundred-pound woman, I, and I, I can't I, subdue her. I've yep. Right. Yep. Uh, I even got one better: a hundred-pound woman who's also an MMA fighter. No oh, fuck. <laughs> but Dude, like, it was it was quite the fight. The human body <laughs> yeah. does some really fucking crazy things, yeah. right? Per yeah. Personally. Yeah. I, I had an experience years ago in SWAT school with with OPSEC involved. I tore something mm. that, and I'm not the strongest guy in the world, right? Mm -hmm. But through the adrenaline, through everything that was going on, I tore something that is impossible to tear. Yeah. And it was kind of like the running joke going on for years after that. Yeah. And it wasn't like patting myself on the back. It yeah. was, holy shit, look what the body can actually do. Yeah. It's even going into like the, the you hear the stories all the time of the grandma lifting the back of a car yeah. to get the kid under it. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The, the people need to understand that, yes, this is a science, but when the stressors are involved, when the outside influences are involved, when the chemicals through the drugs are involved, then you have all the forces from the impact, the round, the munition, everything. Yeah. It's not a science. No, no, and, and here's the thing, and, and Doc, you could probably uh, attest, especially when your pupils are dilated, yeah. and the person's coming at you uh, to to kill you. Um, the first pl per place you're gonna go, I mean, I, I um, from my experience, my my training, and all that is is you're going straight for the biggest part of the body that you can the see, biggest target, the biggest target. 
And, and yeah, and Doc, if you can elaborate on that a little more. Well, the the target you're shooting for is to hit lungs and heart and upper abdominal organs. And if you have a round that's going to uh, fragment, then it may get more than one of those things. But you want to do something that's going to work the first shot. Nothing's going to be reliably able to work the first shot every time. And you've got somebody who originally might have been listening to you, and then they've got this, yeah, make me, when <laughs> yeah, you get right. an argument yeah. situation. So they suddenly change their mindset, and they come toward you. And you're now having to decide whether or not you need to shoot again and again. Right. And uh, you can put six or eight rounds into somebody into those areas and their legs are still working because you didn't shoot their legs and their arms are still working and they have a gun in their hand or a knife in their hand or a club so, so, or something else. So so let's go now into this whole shooting capacity, right? Uh, where now we've got all these external forces and the option, the, the, this, this, this uh, police department in Georgia has given the option to the officer, shoot and capacitate, where now the officer um, goes to shoot for the legs, but under high-stress situation, let's say the guy is 15 yards away from you. Let's let's give out the uh, the 20-foot foot, uh, 21 foot rule, right, yeah. Doc? Where someone's coming at you, you're 21 feet away, all right? And right. in that stimuli, somebody running at you, and, and we do this drill all the time uh, with simunitions, with SWAT, and, and, and even uh, applied patrol procedures uh, at the academies, where we'll do the 21-foot rule and go full speed at an officer. Mythbusters did it. Yeah, Mythbusters did it, yeah. And and I can't even see or be able to 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 think that I, I need to aim to the legs. Right. Right? Uh, you know, so so that, that's a deadly force situation. So, but but uh, like the way I see with with this whole aiming at the legs, it's it's setting up for failure. And and I think, Doc, you can you can elaborate more on on the dangers of shooting at the leg and the pelvic region, and yeah. and, and uh, elaborate on that a little more. Well, in order to be um, de-escalating, and the guy may have a knife in his hand at his side. You haven't even drawn your gun yet. No. Right. Yeah, exactly. So you need to, you've got that 0.2 to 1.5 seconds decision-making time, and then you have to draw the gun, and you have to do some sort of directing of the gun, aiming it, and not using your sights. The last thing you want to do is use your sights <laughs> at that right. situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and if you don't use your sights, how are you going to hit the knee in a moving target? Because everything you shot at at the range is stable, yes. stationary. Station, in my exactly. opinion, if you're at a range qualifying, maybe one out of ten of your shots should be at sta stationary targets, and the rest of them should be moving with hostages and uh, bogs and innocent people in the uh, neighborhood so that you're having to think and understand that when you get into the situation that – uh, you're going to have to uh, think clearly, and it's not easy to think clearly. But if you haven't trained on the range to do things in a situation where there's stress and trauma and movement and 
civilians and people in the background and strobe lights causing you to lose your night vision and all these sorts of things. It's, it's a waste of time. You see, you can know how the gun loads and unloads and the trigger <laughs> makes it go bang. Yeah. But yeah. that's not what happens in the street. That's why when a lot of times we started introducing during our night ranges, we started introducing cruisers with lights yeah. just to get, I think I told you the story before we went to a range yep. in Massachusetts that had uh, blue uh, the lights, the, yeah, the yeah. strobe lights. Yeah, yeah. And my buddy, who's like the most amazing shot on the planet, right? I turned them on and he was like, oh shit, turn those off. And I was like, why? And he's like, cause I can't fucking see. And I'm like, what are you talking about? No, it's perfect like, training. It's perfect fucking training. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it was harder. It was yeah. fully admit it was a hundred percent harder. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now every time I go, I flick those fuckers on. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so let's, uh, doc. So, so pelvic region and on down, uh, let's talk about the, the dangers, especially if a bullet fragments, let's say the officers are intended to incapacitate, not, not kill, you know, to, to incapacitate. And he takes he or she take that shot, and from the pelvic region down, what sort of arteries and and bad spots are there? <laughs> I mean that that could potentially the the the, the suspect uh, end up bleeding out. Well, it's the uh, the femoral artery is about the size of your little finger, and the uh, inferior aorta is about the size of your thumb, roughly speaking. So you've got a something the size of a garden hose, which may have a leak or it may be completely transected. And so you can bleed out very quickly from that. Um, in Steve Scalise's situation, it went into his leg and, and into the pelvic area. And But he, if he was on the ground with a gun, he could have shot back. Right. He was uh, not able to do that. And other people were there, but uh, he survived a fatal wound because he got treatment. Immediate, uh, but immediate he treatment, right. at the time. And uh, so if you get something that took um, miraculous coordination to save, uh, he um, uh, otherwise would not have made it. But he still could have fought back those many minutes that he was lying on the ground. You see it in some of the officer-involved shootings. You know, when when the cop gets shot, a lot of times you still see them shooting back. You still see yeah. a lot of of a lot of fight back, yeah. which is, I mean, unbelievable under the yeah. circumstances. Uh, just recently in uh, in uh, New Mexico, yeah, yeah, the officer that got uh, that got hit. You saw that hit. He yeah. fell over like yeah. a fucking ton of bricks. And he, he he got shot in the arm. Yeah, and uh, got right back into the fight. Did not even uh, did did his what he had to do. And and we're not. Let's be clear, right? We're not saying that everybody is going to react that way. You yeah. don't know how you're. You're going to react. No, you don't. Right? Until the day you tested. Uh, knock on wood. <laughs> Let's knock on wood. It's not going to happen to us, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't know how the human body is going to react. Yeah. Like, even the doc was talking about Scalise. Yeah. You know, that could have been a millimeter off. One of those rounds could have been a millimeter off, and he would have bled out within, what, a minute? Yeah. 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 Certainly could have. Yeah. Doc, I want to ask you a question about body armor. Um, we all wear it in different forms, in different ways, depending on the op and all that. Um, but a lot of times we've been starting to see, it's enough where it's, you know, piqued my attention. I've been starting to see suspects with body armor. Mm -hmm. um, body armor, people need to realize, isn't an end-all situation. It's not bulletproof. 
No. Right? And when you think about the dynamics of how Kevlar works, it's a fibrous material that basically absorbs impact. Exactly. Right? It spreads the impact out. It spreads the impact out. Yeah. Um, That's why there's a misconception that uh, it's okay to get Kevlar wet. It's okay for a certain amount of time. After five years, you really should be replacing it, in my opinion. But anyway, um, talk to us about what happens when somebody gets shot with body armor and the effects, the internal effects, you know, the kinetic energy that get that goes through the body at that point, even though there's no penetration. Well, you, it's like getting hit with a baseball bat or um, uh, something like that. Uh, it's, it's a blow that's going to hurt you. It's going to get your attention, but it doesn't end up piercing and causing internal damage the same way. Yes, it can cause, in rare instances, a... Uh, uh, a deep bruise or a, uh, even, uh, interrupt the cardiac cycle, just like the rare case of a little leaguer who gets hit in the chest just during a wrong time in the cardiac cycle. And they go into a cardiac arrhythmia, which they can survive if someone gives them CPR right away. But those sorts of things can happen. And, uh, yet if you get hit while wearing body armor, you should still be able to uh, retaliate with your gun or knife. Uh, it depends on how the person reacts and what have what size round did you hit with and where you get hit. Well, look at the look at the Los Angeles bank robbery. Yeah, what, what, the fucking havoc that those guys. Oh my god! Yeah, did and they were wearing head to toe body armor. Yeah, and how many rounds did so it take? Being, they were being shot by handguns in that situation. Yeah, and I believe the the cops had to like break into a gun store to get yeah to get rifles, actual right? rifles yeah to shoot back, to fire back. <laughs> I, I think that was the the birth of the SWAT movement. Yeah, after, it was after that. It was so the adrenaline flow, Doc. And I know you you had started talking about it. We kind of cut you off. Let's get back into it. Typically, what happens when the adrenaline starts flowing through the system? Explain it to us from a physiological point. Like I know a lot of it starts in the kidneys too, right? And it kind of goes up well, through the body. Right, it's the adrenal glands which are right next to the kidneys. Right, and uh, the uh, it takes several seconds to have adrenaline go through your body. If you've ever had a shot of adrenaline for an allergy, you realize it takes it gets into the system really quickly. Even though you may just put it into the subcutaneous tissue, into the skin, it really is a fast chemical, and it causes the muscles. To become more contractile, that is, they get stronger. And when you move a muscle and it's stronger, the signal that you sent to move it makes it contract faster and stronger, so it causes you to be jittery and oh, shaky. Okay. Too much coffee. In other words, it's you overshoot. And unless you have adrenaline going through your body all the time. You don't adapt to that, and that's a, that's a, not a normal thing. If you're desensitized, but even will um, get caffeine in the morning if they have to do delicate surgery, just so that their muscles are less stimulated by various things, and caffeine being one of them. So you get more contractility, which makes you less accurate as far as fine motor activity. You get uh, a dilation of the pupils, which we mentioned. You get a rush through your system, which may make you think differently. You may focus on things. You may um, 
minimize things such as sounds coming in. They may be muffled. They may not feel as much. The burning pain of the gunshot wound that you receive may be uh, less bothersome to you. It doesn't doesn't get to you. It doesn't stop you as much as it would have if you were to, um, uh, say, have somebody do it electively, uh, like a post-op uh, wound that's of the say in the same area of the body. Uh, say your leg, you have knee surgery or something like that. That's not going to make you act differently. It's not going to make you dilate your pupils. Yet it may be the same level of pain. Whereas the uh, adrenaline release due to the uh, uh, gunshot wound is going to have those effects. Now, uh, it's going to cause you to be able to breathe better. We use adrenaline for people with asthma, but that's not going to make a difference in this situation because most people who are shot are already breathing already. So that doesn't change how you react, but it's one of the things that the adrenaline will do. Let me ask you this, Doc. Now we're talking about also, we're talking about breathing. It causes you to defecate and urinate, mm-hmm. and you pick up an animal; it'll do that to you too. Right. It's not always defensive. That's part of the whole contractile thing. So we do a lot of, and we practice it on special ops a lot. Is a lot of the uh, the box breathing, the combat breathing. I feel is it directly tied to lowering your adrenaline, or is it? tied to lowering anything else in your body. Like now that you're talking about adrenaline in a, in a scientific and physiological way, is it the adrenaline that's being targeted? No, well, the adrenaline doesn't make you breathe faster or slower. It's the situation that makes <laughs> you breathe faster or slower. The, um, the, the airways just happen to dilate and you don't notice it because your airways are already working just fine. So, uh, interesting. That's but they talk to you about the breathing so that you won't move your arms and legs and change your stance as your chest increases and decreases in size. And they may want you to breathe with your abdominal muscles so your rib cage doesn't expand because right. your shoulder blade attaches to the rib cage and your clavicle may also move with those movements. So if you can do abdominal breathing, and that's hard to do, but you may do it on the range. And people who do professional target shooting will often have a vest that's basically lined with plywood so the chest won't move at all. And they do all their breathing through the up and down movement of the diaphragm into the abdomen. I've never heard so, that. So, interestingly, uh, Doc, um, I do uh, a lot of powerlifting, and a lot of the powerlifting involves the belly breathing. And and that's something, like, I'm, I'm so accustomed to now is the belly breathing where I don't really breathe, you know, it's not like I'm breathing into my lungs uh, all the time or whatever, but, but the belly breathing is something I always do. And, and just thinking about like, you know, when I'm, when I'm out there training, shooting, whatever, it, it's 100% true. Uh, my, my, I'm not breathing into my chest. I'm breathing into my belly all the time. Right. And now that I'm thinking about it, that makes perfect sense that if you're breathing into the chest, you're uh, you're expanding your your shoulders. Shot placement's going to be different. You know, it's 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 actually yeah, that's that's pretty fascinating. So, Doc, I want to ask you, in your professional opinion, in your expertise in science and medicine, do you think that teaching these officers? And again, keep in mind, we have officers listening, we have civilians listening, we have people that like to be educated. 
on these matters, listening, in your professional opinion, teaching officers to shoot in this ridiculous, (laughs) I don't know what, to incapacitate, um, good, bad, should we be focusing on it? Should we deviate from it? What do you think? Well, you have to apply a general generality here, and the generality is not going to help you unless you've had a previous conversation with the assailant to determine his attitude <laughs> toward his, his wounds. Yeah. And if you know how he's responded to wounds in the past, then uh, that's fine. But if you don't know how he responds to wounds, if you don't know his mental state, if you don't know his ability to fight you, uh, then you're going to be picking a less effective uh, deterrence if you hit a less effective area of the body. So what you're and saying, you to, what you're saying is this is the stupidest thing you have ever heard of. <laughs> well, I've heard of more stupid things, but. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, you don't have the officers out there armed with boomerangs. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I mean, the, the way I see it, right? So, so to me, uh, and same, I'm, I'm sure, same with Pete and the majority of officers. Uh, again, that eighty twenty split. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about the, the the true officers that that are out there doing the work. When we um, unholster our firearm. We mean to use it because we were put in a position that there was no other option. And if there's no other option, uh, this shoot to incapacitate is not going to be what I'm going to be looking for. It's because that, that person is shooting at me or drew the firearm or, or you know, had that knife and, and is coming at me with the knife. I mean, it's true. When, if I see somebody with a knife at, at their side in a non-threatening manner, yeah, my hand's on my firearm. It's not drawn yet. Right. I'm just posturing, getting right. ready for it. Right. Right. If, if uh, anything changes, that's 100% true. But... Uh, like you said, Doc, though, when you're engaging with somebody and you're talking to them and you can tell their intent is suicidal slash homicidal, they kind of they kind of put you in a bad spot. And and sure. and, and this and I believe with, with this type of training, this type of option being presented to officers. Now, here's the thing. Uh, a regular police department, they 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 qualify twice a year, maybe. And all they're given is a hundred rounds. Each officer gets a hundred rounds, and they qualify. Yeah. So what do they qualify for? What they qualify to hit paper targets. Yeah, paper targets. Exactly, paper targets that no stress. Uh, there's no stress inoculation really, unless right. it's SWAT or, or whatever. Um, it's it's a kind of relaxed atmosphere, so everyone can pass. You know, especially the ones that struggle to shoot. They'll be able to pass without the stress. Now add the stress in a real life situation. You're not shooting at a paper target anymore. You know, or 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 you or you show up and, for example, here's the thing: some some patrol officers have less than lethal shotguns in their in their vehicles. Here's again the the lawyer the lawyer slash whatever for liability. Question is going to be asked, well, why didn't you use a lesser than lethal shotgun that you had in your trunk or on your gun rack? Why did you shoot my client in the femoral artery and uh, that uh, the shoot to incapacitate and, and he ended up bleeding out and dying? And uh, you're being sued by the family and, and everything. So, so it, op- it opens it up. Yeah, one thing they haven't taken into account is every time you make a rule, 
you make lawyer fodder. You you give the lawyer another way to weasel in to a jury or a judge a a way that his client was mistreated, maligned, treated in a way that should not have been treated used in that circumstance. And so the less you have as far as rules and regulations the better off the officer is and the more likely he is to be able to make a best decision in that circumstance. But anytime you start having a a whole grocery list of different things that they should take into account, the more mistakes are going to be made and the more difficult it's going to be to get a conviction. And the... uh, feel good about what you did as a, an officer. Right. Well, that's the thing that where uh, I mean, I've I've read somewhere uh, I forgot where, uh, but uh, someone made a comment about um, too many. Again, it's one of those too many options will happen with too many mistakes. Right. So so when you have all these options presented to you and, and 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 we've talked about it before when you're sitting in a cruiser and you've got all this stimulus between the computer the radio uh the phones going off uh, and you're just sitting there trying to do a report right and you're doing you've got all this stimulus coming at you um it it, it it gets a bit much and and your your gross motor your fine motor skills diminishes really quickly when with with those stresses and and as we we spoken before you know uh, the, to me shooting at the leg is one of those fine motor type things where it would be a police sniper it, if, was, if they're able to take that shot even as a sniper or even as a sniper right. well that's the thing but 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 i mean uh, i've seen one video where a sniper actually shot the gun out of the dude's hands right. and i was like dude that's a one in a million shot but it was a great shot if he th- you know if you think you can do it you yeah, do it that's absolutely. that's what you're you're taught in the sniper and anti-sniper yeah. stuff right yeah. if you yeah. think you can do it yeah exactly but we're not going to train people no that way no well well for frontline officers that that is a different level of training right that's a different budget that's a different amount of money that you got to spend on to to get your officers that proficient if you're in an area where there are houses and you shoot somebody in the knee, he might pull the trigger. But now where is that gun aimed? That's true. Exactly. Too. That's true, too, the, the flinch response. So you're going to endanger other officers and bystanders, people in windows, uh, and, of course, every bullet that goes up comes down. Yeah. So I'm going to make a statement and I want Iman and the doc to tell me what you think about this statement. We should stop focusing on this bullshit because no matter what the shooting circumstance is going to be, no matter what the scenario is going to be, it's going to be all over the fucking place. It's not a science. It's not a direct science of law of physics per se, right? Things are going to be all over the place. And adding these types of curriculums to teaching officers how to shoot the dick or how to shoot the the leg or the arm the forearm's okay but the the but the but the the fingers are in the yellow zone yeah right is a recipe for disaster oh absolutely i i agree with that one commenter where where he said uh, uh the, it's not going to survive past the first lawsuit 100 <laughs> percent. It, 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 to me this is what happens when the good idea fairy really takes over that's right it's it's the good idea fairy and yeah. that's all it is yeah yeah that's all it is yeah. 
if you had Mythbusters taken on this situation, they wouldn't have a paper target. They'd have a dummy moving with people in front of it. Oh, yeah. So that's the way they should train. Yeah. If they want to train to shoot in the knees, they should have a whole line of knees that are moving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. You're 100%, 100% right. 100% right. It's unbelievable, Doc, but listen, you've been an absolutely amazing asset to this show. Absolutely. I it think was great to have you. I think a lot of people are going to listen to this show and get very informed, and very yes. educated on, on a lot of these things. Yes. So um, let me say thank you to our supporters. All right. Doc, on. first and foremost, thank you so much. We're going to have you back on the show. We're going to have you as an asset as much as possible, just letting you know. Um want to thank our supporters havoc journal gym junkies vector shields wellness for warriors.live live boston 617.org eagle eye firearms maodkit.com guntrack.app thank you to our thousands of listeners our growing youtube we love you stay safe stay sapient <laughs>